Welcome, this is Dr. Todd Watson, uh, your host for the ArborPod interview series. And uh, joining me uh, for this session is uh, Mr. Frank Wren. He is uh, from Germany, he owns a company called Rentech uh, that was created for the, uh, he develops mobile tree inspection devices. And perhaps you've heard of one, maybe one of his more famous inventions, the resistograph. Uh, and he hasn't stopped there, but is, has done uh, others and is continuing to work on that. He, um, he's also uh, an arborist and is on the board of directors for ISA and then uh, also is uh, on the board for the uh, German chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture. So welcome. Thanks for coming across the pond to join us. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Well, let me, uh, the title for this session is, Can Anyone Calculate Tree Stability? And so, uh, I'll ask you that question. Can anyone calculate tree stability? That's a good question. It's an important question and a difficult question and a more difficult answer to it. The question is difficult because the background, the scientific background to have been, uh, to have, have to be understood is very complex. You have to be able to understand wood anatomy and physics to address all the aspects of tree stability. Probably there are some dozen people in the world that are able to calculate tree stability values. The biggest problem behind that is that the precision, the reliability of the calculations is quite poor. And we are right now, since approximately three years, addressing this problem more and more in detail and try to find out how precise can it be. And the Results of the first studies clearly show that the precision is far away from being reliable. That means the concepts of how to calculate tree stability that are presently used on the market are not bad, probably the best that we can have at this time, but they can hardly be told to be precise and reliable. So we probably scared 99% of the arborists now, so uh, trying to, because uh, this is uh, challenging field for being able to do this, but what types of problems occur when arborists rely solely on generalized calculations for tree stability? The methods currently used to calculate tree stability are a very strong simplification of the real situation on the tree. And good luck, most of the calculations are totally overestimating the wind load and underestimating the strength of the tree. And because of that, doing these stability calculations, most of the time you are on the safe side. So you can use them, but you can be sure that it will not be dangerous because the methods do not really fit to the tree because they are overestimating the load on one side and underestimating the strength of the tree. Anyway, you still sh should be sure that, uh, should be aware about the problem that the calculation is a rough estimation and not more. Um, I, I guess that has good and bad components. Uh, maybe uh, for protecting you from lawsuits, it's a little better to, to be uh, have that safety factor in. Uh, but trying to be as reliable as possible, how can an arborist most reliably measure and calculate tree stability? And I, and I guess we're talking roots and trunks and, and uh, branch attachments and all those kind of things. There's still no method available to calculate uprooting safety. So the only methods that we have on the market and that are, let's say, we can discuss about them as acceptable are 
methods to describe stability of the stem and branches. For branches, which is a very difficult because dynamic problem, we have only one or two formula describing the safety and the stability of it. For the tree itself, or the trunk, we have about three or four models to describe the stability, and they are all still overestimating the, um, the load. So currently, probably too much trees are taken away because the people are using the calculations and realizing that the load is too high. So they are on the safe side. Probably the calculation should be better based on scientific knowledge so that we can preserve more trees by that. Um, on the results from your research, um, how can that be used to better inform climbers about how to climb trees or make pre-climb inspections? The first point is it doesn't help to take, for example, a drill and drills just on one spot. If you are measuring the wood quality only on one spot, this can hardly be extrapolated to other areas of the tree. So measuring just one spot doesn't help. The climbers should really, first of all, have a very good feeling for visual inspection and to see the signs of compensation growth. That means the tree tries to react to internal decay, to damages that he had. And the climbers have to very closely have a look to the bark if there are any symptoms of overloading. If there have been any symptoms of overloading seen by fiber buckling or any cracks, this is a clear sign that it could not be safe to climb on the tree. So in this case, they should probably take and use some technical equipment to further inspect the tree. So the basic thing is a good visual inspection, well-trained, having a feeling what is a symptom showing and uh, describing that there is something going wrong in the tree, decay or a cavity or any other damages, and as I mentioned, symptoms of overloading. And then the second step is to use a technical device, for example, a resistance drill, to locally check which the uh, conditions are. So um, it's, it's great that, that we have these wonderful tools that help us do this, but I guess it's still uh, arborists are going to have to really be well trained in actually how to use these and, and using experience and these other clues uh, in, in addition to these, if I'm understanding correctly. So I guess a lot of arborists, and I include myself in this, really would just like a formula, you know, so we can, we can feel confident and, 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 uh, and safe in our decisions. But really, uh, this is more subjective, isn't it? It's that, that we have excellent tools to help improve our perception or uh, our precision, but it's still a subjective type procedure at this point. Finally, it is a subjective decision that has to be done. There is no formula yet available that really is allowing you to calculate the stability down to a good precision. The first point is you have to know exactly where to check the drill, where to, to check the tree, where to drill, for example. If you choose the wrong place on the tree, your result may be very precise for the other point, but not helpful for the decision that you have to do. The technical equipment available on the market, they only help the people that are already well-trained and good informed about the tree. They know how to apply them, how to interpret the profiles, and what to evaluate about the stability of the tree. So 
you have to know and you have to be aware of all these surrounding conditions. Only then these tools are helpful. They help a lot because they can take a lot of responsibility away from you because the results of the machines themselves are objective. They are not subject to subjective um, um, handling. That means if the machine is doing well, if the results are really assessed on a, in a qualitative way and the machine is good, then it really helps a lot for a good and well-trained arborist to make better decisions and to get rid of responsibility because if something happens later on, he can always refer to the measurements that he took as long as the measurements have been done correctly. So they are very helpful, but still a subjective decision at the end has to be done because the evaluation comes not from the machine. The machine just tells you something about the situation in the tree, but the machine will never be able to tell you the tree is stable or not. Very good. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, wondering how an arborist reliably measures because you have to make some kind of measure uh, if you're climbing and then also for something for your client. And, and I guess there's sometimes that uh, you could call in a specialist with many years of experience in interpretation. Uh, but how would, uh, what kind of things should they do in their day-to-day -day, uh, assessments of trees to work on them? And then a s second question to that is how can, what, what options are there for improving their ability to uh, at least understand the risk involved? First to the second question, they have to be well trained. People have to be aware that as soon as they are starting calculating the tree and evaluating stability and safety and risk, they have to be well trained. That means read, read, read. Go to, go to uh, symposiums like the ISA meeting, uh, read scientific journals and the uh, ISA papers, for example, they have to be well trained and have to be aware of what is present on the market of scientific and of practical work. To, the, to your first question, it's very difficult to explain in detail here in this short time uh, what should they do in everyday work. First of all, they have to be aware of the limitations of each method. When you ask 10 experts to measure the diameter of a old mature tree in, an old, in, a, in a town, in an urban area, most of these trees are not circular, most of these trees are not round, you will have 10 different results if 10 different people will measure the tree. That means even such a simple measurement like uh, the, taking a caliper and measure, measure the diameter of the stem leads to different results. And everyone who applies technical equipment has to be aware of these variations that are by, given by nature. We cannot com come around that though. Consequently, each value that you derive from a measurement has to be seen as a value with a specific variation, which in some cases can be plus minus 50 or even 100%. This has to be taken into account. That means never only rely on one value from one measurement. Always try to do another measurement, repeat the measurement if you are in doubt that something probably is not correct, and try to enhance the width of the databases to ensure a higher quality of your evaluation. And so I guess, um it's kind of like being a surgeon. I was trying to think of it, you know, because there's yeah. always new tools and techniques and new things to learn about anatomy and, and going to conferences and, and those kind of things. Uh, and actually, at least in the United States, uh, arborists used to be called tree surgeons, so maybe still along the same lines. Actually, I would have been a tree surgeon, but I couldn't stand the sight of sap, so I, I became a tree doctor instead. Um, well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm really hoping that, uh, that you can 
that you have something in the works for roots, because that's the one that really scares me, because we see a lot of wind throw uh, in trees over here. But uh, We have that. You do? Yeah, we have that. Since Excellent. Could you, yeah, could yeah. you discuss that a little bit? Yeah, since five years we are inspecting the root system by using stress waves. That means we are using a stress wave tomography system, as already introduced 10 years ago. We put the sensors at the stem base, and then it's a very simple method. What mostly, when you apply it in the town, the people are running around and say, you are crazy, you are taking a big hammer and you knock on the soil around the tree. And only if there is a root below the point where you knock with the hammer on the soil, then you will have a signal on the tree. This way, we are running around the tree. It takes 20 minutes for one tree, knocking the soil on hundreds of points. And finally, at the end, we have a sketch where we see where the main roots are going to. That means we can approximately say which area is covered by the big roots. The thinnest roots that we could detect yet were about two centimeters in diameter, so a little bit less than an inch, and at a depth of about 50 centimeters deep. That was the uh, deepest uh, roots we found yet with this method. But and we apply this since approximately five years, mainly in relation to trees standing beside a building, so mainly in somehow in connection with constructions going on, where the people are asking how far can they go to the tree without cutting big roots, or if the construction was done, finally someone is asking, oh, did they probably cut the roots? Please check that. So that's a typical example uh, of application of this method. And uh, uh, in addition to root architecture, can you, do you have some idea about the, uh, the integrity or the strength of the roots or its ability not to? Not yet, not yet. The data that we achieved yet, some hundred trees we inspected meanwhile, clearly show that we can see where the roots are. We cannot distinguish between the size of the roots and we can yet not distinguish between a big root partially destroyed or a small root because the values are nearly the same that arrive there but we can distinguish between there is a root or there is no root that means if you are running around the tree in, in let's say one or two meters distance and there is no signal coming to the tree we know that most of the roots have been decayed by a fungus and all the time we observe that the trees had been felled it was exactly that case and that is the major reason of failure in Germany. Most of the time, the urban trees die by root decay due to constructions going on in the past. Right, we have the same problem. So that's great. And for those listening, if you think these things are rehearsed, you just learned that they're live because I learned something new. So we'll have to talk more about that later. Uh, but I do thank you for, for taking the time to come over here. I'm glad uh, we had a chance to discuss this, this very important topic. Thank you for the hey. opportunity to be here. And, and I'd like to invite uh, our audience to uh, join us again for another informative and sometimes unexpected uh, interview on our ArborPod interview series.